This podcast is brought to you by John Christensen, the author of a new book entitled The Wealth Creator's Playbook. Please listen to podcast number 712, where John and Greg discuss his new book and his perspectives on wealth creation while creating a return on life and money. John has a very innovative approach to wealth creation, which takes into account not only our money concerns, but our life portfolio, which includes vocational, social, experiential, psychological, intellectual, and spiritual capitals. John believes in living fully, and while this means different things to different people, we are looking for fulfillment in our life both financially, through our life's work, and the contribution we make to the world. Please listen to this engaging interview with author John Christensen on podcast number 712. You are certain to take away a new perspective on how to live your life and the creation of your personal wealth. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Ron and Stacy, every time I come on this show, I think my listeners might get a little fatigued by it. But I have to thank the listeners because what's the point of doing a podcast show if you don't have some listeners out there that care about what we're talking about? And today, joining me from Boise, Idaho, are Ron Price and Stacy Ennis. And they have a new Greenleaf book out called Growing Influence, a story of of how to lead with character, expertise, and impact. Uh, Good day to both of you. How are you doing? Go ahead, Stacey. (laughs) I'm great. Thanks so much for having us today. Yes, Greg, I, I echo that. We're really happy to be with you and that we get to be together because we're often going different directions. It's great for us to have some time to converse together. Yeah, and just prior to the show, we were speaking that Stacy's doing a lot of traveling. So she's uh, she's up and at Adam for this interview, even though she just got back from a international trip. So um, I'm going to let our listeners know something about each of you a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, Ron is an internationally recognized business advisor, executive coach, speaker, and author known for his creative and systematic thinking, business versatility, and practical optimism. He's worked for f- in, in 15 countries and served in almost every level of executive management over the last 40 years. As the former CEO of a multinational dollar international company, Ron understands the challenges and risks of running a business and building a dynamic team. He works shoulder to shoulder with executive leader teams to bring strategic clarity and transformational results to organizations. Ron, it's a pleasure having you on. He's also the author of three other books, uh, Treasure Inside, 23 Unexpected Principles That Activate Greatness, The Complete Leader, Everything You Need to Know to Become a High-Performing Leader, and The Innovator's Advantage, Revealing the Hidden Connection Between People and Process. And we will put links to those at the website as well. And Stacy, Stacy is a writer and a coach and a consultant. Um, she helps people like Ron get their ideas and make them clear. Um, she's got lots of clients and has written lots of books. Um, we will put a link to Stacy's website as well. But her background includes the former executive editor of Healthy Living Made Simple. That's a Sam's Club magazine that reached over 11 million readers, um, where she wrote the cover feature on Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra. She's consulted on nutritional products. And you'll see that by the books that she's written. If you go to Amazon and just look up her name, new magazines and varied products and projects, as well as mentored uh, and coached 
dozens of entrepreneurs, and I would assume Stacy in the writing process as well. Uh, she's been involved in writing dozens of books, including The Editor's Eye and Growing Influence, which is the one we're talking about. Uh, she has a TEDx talk, How to Raise Brave Kids, and as well, she lives in Boise in the sprawling foothills uh, a mile from the front door when she loves to run. You can tell that she's an avid uh, enthusiast of being staying healthy. So thank you both for being on our show today and spending some time with us. Now, Ron and Stacy, you know, you guys, first off, the book is a great story. And most of these, out of my 711 interviews so far, I don't get stories, right? In other words, they're not nonfiction. The books are fiction. Um, you don't see too many of them. So that, and first off, makes it kind of unique. So Stacy, you start off with a story about Emily. She goes into this coffee shop. I think it's slow and slow. Um, and she meets a barista in the coffee shop. And then while she's there, she also meets David. Um, and in this first encounter, in the first chapter, She's somehow lost her PowerPoint presentation and is in a hurry and to recreate it. She spills her coffee. She's only got an hour and 40 minutes left to do it. Can you tell our listeners the point of the story and this encounter with really David, who becomes this amazing mentor for her? Sure. Um so that, that first scene in the book is, is pretty stressful, and Emily is experiencing something all of us have experienced at some point in our personal or professional lives, which is, I prepared for something, but it's somehow something or got deleted or broke or something happened, and oh my gosh, I have to recreate all of that in a very, very short window of time. So she's pretty stressed. She's really focused on recreating this career impacting presentation. It's one of the biggest ones she'll, uh, she's given to date. And um, in the middle of all of this, as she's focusing intently, she knocks over her coffee cup and it just spills everywhere. So as you could imagine, already being under a time crunch now has this big mess to clean up. And David just pops up and comes over and helps, helps her, but she's so engrossed in you know, this situation that she barely notices him. However, that is there, you know, in, in a, a romantic comedy, which this is not a, a romantic comedy at all. Um, <laughs> there's what's known as a meet cute. So I kind of think of this as like the business equivalent of a meet cute where the two characters meet each other and they, they have at least a, an initial connection, but then everything else kind of whisks them away. Um, and, and, until they get the opportunity to meet again. And what is really profound about David in this interaction is that you get the sense of him that he is completely present and uh, engaged in the interaction with Emily, whereas Emily is really overwhelmed and she just kind of wants this guy to go away so that she can get back to her work. However, later we see in the book, she starts to become drawn back to the coffee shop and she meets David again. She, she doesn't even really remember him that well. Um, but their, their first real conversation begin to see this very natural mentorship and friendship begin to develop between them in, in a way that, you know, we've all had that experience where we meet somebody and you just connect with them. And that's what 
what they find together. Yeah, they certainly build a special relationship throughout the book. And Ron, in chapter two, which is titled Growing Influence, you know, Emily reflects on the question that Dave or David asked her in chapter one. Do you feel like you're fulfilling what you're meant to be in life? And obviously he asks her throughout this book some very poignant questions because that's what a mentor does is get people thinking uh, about their life and what's going on. What significance do these questions play considering Emily has been passed over for promotions with relation to her job and where she works? Well, at first, Greg, David doesn't really understand Emily's situation, but he is a retired executive, and um, as oftentimes happens with leaders, as he moved into retirement, he becomes more philosophical. He has uh, spent his years driving and achieving profit and growth and taking care of all the problems that an organization has. But as he's had the opportunity to reflect on his career, he understands that there's more to life than just getting those extrinsic results. That oftentimes our work gives us the opportunity to develop our fullest potential for who we are as a human being. So it's out of that backdrop of his own personal reflection that as he begins to engage Emily, he finds a little bit of openness or warmth on her part for a friendship that he asks the question, are you really happy? Are you really doing the thing that makes you feel that you're fulfilling your purpose in life? And that leads to a deeper conversation where he then starts to get to know what's real for her, what kind of opportunities, excitements, but also stresses and pressures she's experiencing. And it's really a natural conversation for David because in a way he's been put out to rest, so to speak, put out to pasture. And here's somebody who demonstrates some friendship toward him and gives him a new lease on life because he can uh, listen to her, learn from her, and share some of his own experience with her along the way. Yeah, it's very poignant. I mean, I think the point is, is uh, and I'm sure Stacy's familiar with this, and so are you, Ron, but in The Hero's Journey, this book is kind of the hero's journey uh, when you follow it and reflect on it. And Emily, on the chapter, you said, where should I focus? Um, Emily works with Mitchell and she needs her space and time for her own personal growth. And she confronts him. Um, what is the, why is the time that Emily needs for, you know, the seven habits of highly effective people book that she, or I should say her journaling, um, why is this time so important for leaders to have in your estimation? And what's the point? you're trying to make by her actually taking some of her independence that way as well? It comes partly out of personal experience, Craig, but it's the idea that if a leader is going to fulfill their highest potential, they have to think about who am I and who could I become? What is it that's unique about me in my style, my interests, my passions, my direction? And in order to do that, it takes reflection. Uh, In my own personal case, it was back in the 1970s, I had been involved in leadership roles, and I was very focused on tasks, very focused on satisfying other people's expectations of me and being successful as a business owner. And I began to realize that I wasn't spending any time on me. I was spending all my time on the business and other people. 
And I decided I was going to set aside half an hour a day to journal, to listen to, back then it was audio tape, and to think about who I wanted to become in the future, not just what did I want to do. And that had a pivotal impact in my own leadership journey because I, I realized that that time had always been available to me, but I had never owned it. I had never taken responsibility and made a commitment to invest in myself every day. And for me, the key to it, and we reflect this a little bit in the story, the key to it was I had to make a firm decision myself that I was going to build a habit of investing in myself daily. And then I had to announce that habit to people around me and ask them to respect that time. And it was really uh, revolutionary for me. And I, I can look back on my career and now say that that was the point when all of a sudden the way I started to think about leadership changed and the way I started to think about myself changed. So we, we wanted to build that into the story. And of course, Stacy did a wonderful job of taking some of the experiences that we've both had. And as we talked about them, finding a way for them to come alive through the experience of Emily and David. Great way that you did it, Stacy. And, and Ron, as I'm reflecting myself, you know, for years, you say audio tape, so it, it dates us a bit. But um, <laughs> I used to drive around in the car and listen to Norman Vincent Peale. And I used to listen to all kinds of great leaders and their their audio tapes and messages. And that's actually how I got involved in the in this particular industry with the inside personal growth, um, having gone to conventions for years and listened to great people because it's those stories that we learn from. And Stacy, you did a great job putting the story together. Now, on the chapter where it says where, uh, or I, I'm sorry, on the chapter for now ignore position. You meet with David or Emily meets with David and he teaches her about the qualities of influencers. If you would, what are the qualities that David imparts to Emily Emily, and why is this so important part of your book? Well, Emily has been very focused for quite a long time on a promotion. And I think most people will relate to that. The, that's a very tangible measure of success. I got promoted. I got a raise. There are these markers that make us feel like we are advancing. We're becoming successful. But what David suggests to her is that there are actually other areas that she can focus. Now, there, there are two, there's a lot of core concepts in the book, but two that are especially important um, are the areas of influence and the dimensions of leadership. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about the areas of influence, and when we get to it, I'll hand over the dimensions of leadership to Ron to discuss. Um, Emily has been focused on some areas she can't control. So she can't control whether her boss gives her a promotion. The company she's in potentially is about to be bought out. She can't control whether or not that's going to happen. And if it does, the terms of that sale and the terms of that migration over to the new leadership, there's a lot of things that she's been very consumed with that she just doesn't have influence over, or at least it's the influence she could have is invisible to her right now. So David teaches her this concept of the three areas of influence. And those three areas are control, collaboration, and concern. 
Control is the area in which a person has 100% control over their situation. So, for example, what time do I wake up in the morning? Whether I get right on social media when I'm eating breakfast or I put that off until, you know, after my work is done for the day. Um, whether or not I set aside discretionary time, as Ron was discussing, that focus time for learning, for focused work. So those, those pieces of your life that you have 100% control over. The next area, collaboration, is when you collaborate with other people who want something you all also want. And the term that this is given in the book is a virtuous conspiracy. So it's this uh, working together with other people to, to achieve something, to have influence over something that um, all of you want together. So in the book, everyone wants uh, more encouragement. They need some appreciation. And so that's what Emily strives to achieve with the help of other people. And then the third area is concern. And this is when you're worried about something that you don't have really clear influence over. So politics in, in the book, uh, the merger, the potential acquisition, um, her promotion, those pieces that, that tend to consume us, but we don't really know how we can influence it. And there's this really neat concept that David teaches, and it's about the, this uh, metaphor of balloons. And actually, Emily is the one that, that draws this metaphor out of something David teaches. So the idea is that you have these three balloons, and they're all connected, they're all filled with air. And as I, as I uh, focus more on one area, then that balloon grows bigger. And at the same time, because there's only this certain amount of air, the other balloon grows smaller. So when I focus on my area of control and I start to um, focus on the things that I have direct control over, and I also give attention to collaboration, then the area of concern, which is the part that stresses me out, that tends to shrink. And Emily starts to see that she felt as though she didn't have influence over her situation. She was feeling to be at a loss. She'd been at this company for 10 years. She'd had some promotions that really had not reached where she felt she should be. And there's some, some gender discrimination happening there. But she felt like she just couldn't overcome it. And what she learns is she actually does have a lot of influence over herself. She has control over her own personal growth, and she, and she can collaborate with other people to achieve things that collectively they want. And she begins to apply that, and you see the effect of that in the book. Yeah, and it's such a poignant message for everybody, um, Stacy. I think that, you know, look, we all need to set goals. Um, we should have them. We should have intentions. We might have some mantras, um, but there's a the, getting the attachment to it is the key. And I think that's the balloon concept um, because some things that are, are out of your control or you're not, you don't have control of, there's no reason to get attached to it. And you can spend a lot of mental energy and time being connected to that. And that's a, that's very much a Buddhist concept as well. So um, Ron, in one of these encounters, David uh, at the coffee shop, he hands Emily a values checklist. What are some of those leadership values that David teaches to Emily um, through him giving her this checklist? Well, first of all, this is in the context of him talking with her about ways that she can grow her influence 
and he starts that off by saying that there are different kinds of leadership. He equates leadership and influence as being synonymous with each other, that uh, the extent to which people follow you is based on something that you provide that causes them to allow themselves to be influenced by you. And he, he gives her this phrase, ignore the position to get the position. What he's saying is that you don't have control over whether or not you get that promotion, but you do have control over other things. You have control over what kind of a person you become. He refers to that as character leadership. And you have control over what kind of expertise you decide to develop in yourself. He refers to that as expert leadership. So in the context of talking about the control that we have over who we become, he defines character for her as the values by which she chooses to govern her own behaviors and the values by which she chooses to relate to other people. And of course, our traditional definition of character might be integrity or it might be honesty or ethical behavior, things like that. And David says, yeah, that's great, that's fine, but let's give some more texture to it. Let's add a little bit more detail to it. And so he sets her off on a exercise to define what are the values by which she decides she wants to govern her own behavior and the values by which she wants to relate to other people. So just some examples that he gives her, things like um, a value of humility for how she might govern her own behavior, to approach relationships and activities with humility, or courage, or self-respect, or positivity, or resiliency. So he gives her a whole list that she can think about. And then the values by which she's going to relate to others include things like compassion and empathy and forgiveness and uh, care and respect, things like that. So she goes and works on this and develops not just the list of values that are important to her, but she also um, defines those because oftentimes the power in a statement or in a word is how you define it. So one of her first values for governing herself is peace. And she describes peace as speaking and acting in a way that brings balance and calm to her whole life. And one of the values by which she chooses to relate to others is she describes as being present or being mindful of the person that she's with and being focused on that person, not letting herself wander uh, while she's engaged with that person so that she can get the maximum amount of engagement and impact from that interaction with that person. So those are just a couple of examples of the values that she chooses for her own definition of character. And then, of course, good values are aspirational. And what I mean by that, Greg, is, is great values call us to be something more than we currently are. So they're not something where we always get an A+. Plus. Some days we don't do as well but we come back and we recommit ourselves to those values because we see them as the pathway to us becoming the best version of ourself, specifically as it relates to our character and how we influence people through how we show up. Yeah. I think the points that you're making in this book and both of you, you did a masterful job of weaving a great story together. And um, Stacy, at the end of the book, Emily finds this letter um, from David and her name had been scrawled on the front of it and she hadn't been hearing emails back from David for some reason. Um, and so she was concerned. Can you tell our listeners the content of the letter and the importance it has to the story 
with relation to Emily and David as they've journeyed together, uh, him being her mentor? Absolutely. So my first uh, warning is spoiler alert. So if you're planning to read the book, I recommend fast forwarding a minute or two. Um, but yes, I will absolutely talk through that. And it's interesting. I actually just reread that letter right before our interview because it anchors me so much in the story and in the um, the relationship between these two characters that I feel like anybody can connect to. Um, and, and every time I read this letter, I am really moved because there is so much heart from, from this character, David, to this woman who um, has grown so much under his guidance, but, you know, through her own work. So the David leaves this letter for Emily and it's a, it's a posthumous letter that, uh, has been given to her after he passes. And it's, at first, the, uh, someone reading this might wonder, this this honest uh, person, David, who deeply uh, lives by his values, why didn't he tell her that he was dying? But what we learn is that for David, who has experienced great loss in his life, um, one of his core values is resiliency. And for him, resiliency means retaining dignity and retaining dignity means getting to live fully and um, getting to experience life as life, not as leading toward death. And so we add this dimension of, um, I guess, intentionality to the relationship that he has seen Emily as this person by which he can um, in part what he's learned, but also knows that she has within her the ability to further what he has learned in his life through her own experiences and her own mentoring. And um, especially important in this letter is his encouragement of her and his belief in her, that she has everything she needs inside of her to really become that leader, that mom, that friend, that person that she is capable of and that she is she she capable basically she has that capacity and potential and um, while he won't be there to see it he he knows that she's going to be successful um, so yeah it's every time I get to that letter that chapter I I get pretty emotional which is kind of funny because I've read the book so many you know wrote the book with Rod and read the book so many times, but I think David says to Emily in such a raw and vulnerable way, let any mentor or parent or close friend or someone that cares deeply about another person wants to say, and he says it in such a pure way. It is. Greg, uh, uh, go Greg, ahead, I'm Ron. Sorry. I, I, yeah, I, I just, I'm reminded of an email that I got recently from uh, somebody in Mozambique who read the book and he wrote to me and he said, um, that letter is the letter that I never got because I didn't have a father. Mm. And he said, I've read that letter over and over and over again. And it's the most important part of the whole book for me. It was very touching. It, it is the culmination of uh, the book. 
and the important element that it brings. I think what uh, Stacy was saying as far as the heartfelt um, reflection uh, that David had and the message that he was trying to send to Emily, um, it, it just resonates and it'll resonate with the readers. And I think as Stacy said, we don't want to ruin the book, <laughs> go buy the book. Uh, but the reality is, is that this is a great message the two of you have put together. Now, Ron, when I was at your website, um, you have some videos up at the website that speak about the three different kinds of leadership. And let's face it, the book is about influence and it's about leadership because leaders have to have influence. What are those three different kinds of leadership uh, that you speak about and that you can impart some additional wisdom to our listeners about? Well, the three different types of leadership are, first of all, the way that you influence people because of who you are, the way that you show up, what you, the way that you live your life. We refer to that as character leadership. And um, in the book, we talk about how you can define integrity in that dimension of leadership. Second one, expert leadership is where you influence people because of what you know or what you're capable of doing. And we suggest that there's a different definition of integrity when you think about expert leadership. It has to do with the value that you provide and how you stay current and relevant and how you continue to deepen your expertise so that you're adding to the value that you provide to others. And then the third dimension we refer to as positional leadership. You could call it structural leadership. And um, this is where people follow you because of your title, your responsibility, and your authority. And we suggest a separate definition of integrity for that type of leadership. So when we think of integrity, we don't just think about doing the right thing, but we think about fulfilling the potential of each of those dimensions. So the wholeness of how you present yourself as a positional leader and how that optimizes the impact for others the wholeness of how you present yourself as an expert and how that creates value for others and the wholeness of how you develop your character and how that brings inspiration and courage and confidence to others. Uh, so I, I think uh, this is, again, uh, a bit of the culmination of my years of ruminating about my own journey and what I've grown to appreciate about leadership. And it brings a certain... Uh, reverence and humanness to me, where I don't any longer think of leaders as just being people who have a title, authority, and responsibility. It is so much more, and people who will find the greatest fulfillment in their life are people who will look at all three dimensions and not just limit themselves to one. Yeah, very well said, and I I reflect that. I think that leadership is something um, I think that we Stacy was talking about that letter was written with such compassion and you can tell that David was a great leader. Um, you know, Stacy, and you comment because this is also at Ron's website and I presume you guys spent a lot of time. I'd like to have you both comment on it. You speak about this universal mission of all leaders, <clears throat> universal mission of all leaders. What do you think that it is or should be? And can each of you comment on that? Oh, that's, that's a really deep question, Greg. Um, I, I see, so 
the, uh, the work that I do with women in leadership, I have a, a company called Next Level Women Leaders that I co-founded with three other incredible women. And um, as, we are, as we are training these women in leadership, um, we are really focusing on alignment from the inside out. So it's this idea of developing awareness of oneself, your values, the kind of person and leader you want to be. And then once you have that internal alignment, then you bring that externally to influence and impact other people to take that same journey themselves. So as a leader, your job, of course, you, you have to manage it. If you're on a, in a company, you have to manage a team. You have things you have to do as, and, and get done. But I and, and our team, and I imagine Ron, Ron will have to speak to this himself, but be a leader as somebody who um, isn't just there to manage. They're, they're um, in full self-awareness as, as much as we can get there. Um, and helping other people take that same journey of awareness to reach their full potential. Um, in the book, we talk about the things great leaders do, and this is a conversation, again, that Emily and David have. But one of the things great leaders do, there are three, but one of them is to transcend self-interest and self-promotion. So a lot of the work Emily does in the book is, about self-interest and self-promotion. She's developing awareness. She's defining her values. She is working collaboratively with other people, but a lot of the work she's doing is internal. And the next step for her is to bring that outside of herself to transcend that self-interest and self-promotion. So once, as a leader, you have that awareness and alignment internally, you understand your values and you're striving daily to live by them, you understand your purpose and, and your, your mission as a leader, then the next step is to reach out and help other people take that same journey. Very well said, uh, Stacy And Ron, do you want to comment briefly as well about that? Sure. Yes. I think Stacy captured the essence of it really well. I think leaders of organizations, so here we're talking about positional or structural leadership, are the primary or the first stewards of the purpose of the organization and the way the leader thinks, the way the leader speaks, the way the leader leads is either true to that mission, that higher sense of purpose, or they can steer the organization away from it. So I think it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility to continually brood and creatively over the purpose of the organization. And of course, um, a big part of the universal mission or purpose of leadership is to look at problems and see if it's possible to turn those problems into opportunities. And oftentimes people in an organization that's facing some tough decisions, some tough directions they have to go, they look to their leaders to see if their leaders are optimistic about using those problems in a positive way. So I think that's another important part of the universal mission of leadership. And uh, the last one, in addition to what Stacy mentioned, is that we as leaders, one of our greatest, I think one of our greatest opportunities, one of our greatest joys is to inspire people to make commitments that they wouldn't have made without us. And uh, it's hard to believe that when you're a young leader, you're, you're just trying to take care of yourself. You're just trying to be responsible 
to your own obligations in an organization. But as you mature in your leadership, you begin to recognize what a big responsibility you have to inspire other people to make commitments that will help them become who they could become. So those are all things that I think of in this context of leadership. And I think, Greg, one of the things that really great leaders understand is that the more that their influence grows, the less they think it's about them. Uh, it, they, you look back and as a leader when you've been able to point to different places where you've made a difference, there is a natural awareness that grows that I couldn't have done any of this by myself. And this person here, in this instance, this book never could have been written the way it was without Stacy and I working together. So we have a great amount of gratitude toward each other because we each brought something that made this greater than the sum of its parts. And I, I think the, the, the further you grow in leadership, the more grateful you become. And in a way, it's paradoxical because the bigger you become, the smaller you feel. Well, you both did an excellent job, Stacy. a great job of pulling this information out from Ron. I know what it's like. Um, and I'd like to leave my listeners, there will be links to both of the websites, both Stacy's website and Ron's website, and obviously the website link for the book. Um, and there, there is a quote on the front of your book that I think comes and brings the essence to this. And it says, growing influence is a powerful and transformative story about leadership that is perfect for anyone facing adversity and desiring a new approach and mindset. I found David's lessons for Emily humbling yet encouraging, and the book inspired me to reflect on my own leadership development. Uh, that's from Tyler Andrews, the president of the CEO of Better Business Bureau Northwest. Great uh, accolades for you guys. Thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth. I want to thank you for taking the time um, and both of you for writing a book that, uh, again, uh, tells a story and does it with such ease. For my listeners, it's a very easy read. You probably pick this book up and a flight between here and Boise, you can read it no matter where you are. So <laughs> thank you guys for being mm -hmm. on. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Greg.